What's uh, up, everybody? Oh. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Truthzilla. Megan's kicking it with us across town. Um, she's still recovering from her back surgery, but she's hanging tough with us, you guys. So I just want to stop real quick. Well. Yes. I, w- I want to tell you guys a couple things real quick. So first of all, you can see we're both wearing our shirts. These are both from Pedro. Pedro, thank you, hanging, Pedro. Hanging tough you down in Australia, dude. Thank you so much. I got my Pfizer fuck off shirt and Ed, what does yours say? Uh, this is uh, his company. Pull it up, pull it up so they can see the, the logo. There you go. Random Mystic, Random Mystic with the logo. So that shout out to Pedro. I'm like, Pedro, how do we get people to order this stuff? Pedro, we've already got people asking how to get one of these shirts. So yeah, you got, totally. We, got, we did Clown Town last night yep, and people yep, were asking yep. like, where do I get that shirt? Yep, so Pedro, you better bring it. But in the meantime, if you guys want to get a Truezilla t-shirt, you go to truezilla.org forward slash shirts. We got all kinds of awesome designs. We got the World Economic Forum one. We got the Fauci gave us all AIDS. We got the You Can't Inject Health. We got all kinds of good stuff. So head over to truezilla.org forward slash shirts. You guys, if you get any value out of the show, a great way to return that value. If you if you if you want to just do a donation at truezilla.org forward slash donate, we've got options there. We've got crypto, cash app, all that stuff. Um, and also our sponsors of the show, gotta talk about Truth TRS. So TRS is a natural zeolite spray and it helps eliminate all the heavy metals out of your body. So we have heavy metals coming at us from the sky, from the water, from the food, and, and it's really important to get all that stuff out. So TRS is a injections. great way to do that. Yeah, the injections. Hopefully many of you are, are have uh, you know got all the childhood heavy metals out of your body. You don't have to deal with that stuff anymore, but you know, you never know. You know, maybe there's people that are just coming well, around. I think for- anyone who hasn't done a heavy metal detox is walking around yeah, with a exactly, lot of heavy metal exactly. in their body. So if you haven't done a heavy metal detox before, you know, give it a shot. to six-month protocol. Visit truthtrs.com to learn more about that or follow them on Instagram at TruthTRS, and if you have any questions, you can hit them up on there. Also, got to talk about Cody over Cody. at Cody's Cody. Crystals on Instagram. Uh, Cody's at c at c o d y s underscore Crystals on Instagram. He's got the best crystals and gems. You guys, Christmas is coming up, and you know it's that uh, that that uh, order you know, but quick. Order but quick. Yeah, I, think, I think isn't it like if you order by December tenth or eleventh, like with the mail system the way it is, it's supposed to help tomorrow. you come in time. <laughs> yeah, which is probably oh, the day yeah. this episode yeah, airs. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, okay, there's still time. Fresh yeah, so, shipping. So you guys go to Cody's. New Year's crystals. Yeah, get some New Year's. Go get some New Year's crystals at Cody's crystals. All right. And in the meantime, while you're hanging out with your family this holiday season, you got You can listen tune to in. some. Tune into some modern retro radio. Adis. Adis over at modernretroradio.com, modernretrofm.com, and on the TuneIn app, you guys check out Modern Retro Radio. It's the new songs by the classic artists and everything in between. It's really good stuff. So. All right. Oh, also, you guys, please like, share, and subscribe. You know what I mean? Um, like. Liking this episode, sharing this episode with your friends. Uh, we talk about a lot of good, useful information. And make sure you just, yeah, make sure you guys share this episode with all your friends. So. <laughs> well, I, ha- I have to say, I have to say an extra special thank you to Pedro also. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he sent me the frumpiest, most comfortable, softest most plush hoodie sweatshirt ever and he um specially had it say heretic girl on the back was one of my most favorite i love mermaids and i really like skeleton mermaids what are they called again J- jenny Andrews. uh jenny hanover's yes universe um but anyways and he put that on the back of this hoodie for me with our truthzilla emblem on the front so i've actually been wearing it nonstop. when we were getting ready to record tonight i told the guys i was like all right guys i gotta change my shirt really quick because i've been wearing pedro sweatshirt since yesterday and wow. so now all of you know that i was still technically wearing the same clothes from yesterday we won't that's all right that. that's all right that's all right i just had surgery so it's okay you're good you're good anyways, thank you pedro it is fantastic Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, on that note, you guys, enjoy the show. 
welcome to Truthzilla. I'm Megan here with Scott and Ed. Hello. Our Yo. guest tonight is Derek Bros, a journalist, <laughs> author, filmmaker, speaker, activist, and organizer. His many projects have had a profound impact on countless people, including us here at the Truthzilla podcast. Derek, welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much for having me here with you. Oh man, it's really, truly is an honor and a pleasure. Um, you know, we, we were kind of typed that intro up and I'm just thinking of all the different things you do. And I'm sure we left a few things out. Like you're just, uh, you know, very much involved with this. You know, I just, I just, uh, you, you've literally been a huge inspiration for me personally. We have done, uh, we've kind of taken your ideas and ran with them in a lot of ways here in our community, you know, the, the freedom cell piece. Um, yeah, I don't even know where we would be without yeah. uh, having started a freedom cell here. I mean, we, we literally, you know, especially early on in the pandemic, we went up to Portland to, to see their freedom cell. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I think it was the first time we really felt connection with like so many like-minded people around us when the, when the world is just going crazy and you just think everyone's crazy mm -hmm. to just group up with people and, and see people getting into solutions. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so when we started one, it was just, it was, uh, it was amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and ever since, like, I'll just tell you, you know, like, so we had uh, some friends reach out to us from up there, and they said, we got this whole thing going on, you gotta come check it out. So we walked in the room, and, uh, you know, they were in this, uh, like, a yoga studio, and sitting around on the floor, all cross-legged. It was like Mackenzie, I mean, you know, Mackenzie, and, and them, and... And Megan and I dro drove up there and uh, we walked in and they were talking about um, CIA mind control experiments and uh, geoengineering. I'm like, oh, yes, we're home. We're home. Well, and then <laughs> so, the first time I went up there, uh, yeah. Howard Lichtman was speaking, yes, yes. Um, uh, talking about the thick red line. Yep, and, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, we did a, a gong bath at the end mm -hmm. of it. It was like, mm -hmm. it was just such a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, it was pretty powerful. And so, you know, we're like, we have to do this in our community. And so we did. We started. And that's been our message here on the show. We talk about it all the time. Like, you know, if you guys are out out there whatever community you're in wherever you're at in the world you know go to freedomcells.org and look for a freedom cell in your community and if there isn't one start one because yeah. if you build it they will come there's so many there's so many people out there looking for fellowship and solutions and then it's just been uh you know it's, it's a great tool yeah it's it's kind of the tool. psyop is to make us feel like we're alone yeah. we're, we're not alone there are a lot of us we just have to to find each other mm-hmm Absolutely. So. That, that's really amazing to hear guys, just the, the positive responses. And, you know, I got to connect on, on tour with you guys. And that's one of the things that I can say has been so uh, just both humbling, but also kind of reinvigorating and inspiring for me is to connect with people like yourselves. And I mean, we, Mir Miriam and I spent two months, as you guys know, traveling the country and every city we're visiting, we were hearing similar stories of people who were like, oh, we found each other through the telegram groups or through the website. And now we're you know, pulling our kids out of school together, we're growing food together, we're buying, you know, whatever the projects or the things people are involved in, we can see that movement happening. And I was just briefly mentioning to you before we started, I mean, mm -hmm. I just literally came from a Freedom Cell uh, meeting here in Tepoztlan in Mexico, a few hours away from where we live. So it's even happening in Mexico now where these cells are just starting to pop up both of English speaking, like kind of expats, Americans and Canadians and Europeans who've come out here, but also uh, Mexicans who are also now starting to learn about the concepts and implement it. And it's just, it's amazing to see it happening. Yeah. It's so it's, powerful, man. Like it's just amazing when it, when it, just the, um, the synergy that occurs when people, you know, different backgrounds, different experiences all come in aligned with a single principle of just like freedom and autonomy, and then just wanting to pull away from the system. Like, like we were just, uh, we were talking to Jason Bassler from free thought project last night. And they you know a lot of these same topics came up again, you know, um, just the idea of just, the uh, you know, 
and I want to get into this too, you know, your book here that I got from you when we met, like this has had a profound impact on me as well. Like some of these concepts are new concepts to me. I keep saying that. And it's just like, it's the, the whole idea of like all of us seeing the last two years that, okay, the state is actually the problem. Yeah. All of this, like all of this is literally because of this entity that does not deserve any of our, our, our time or energy. And so, you know, yeah, we could protest and that's great. You know, I, I think there's a big, that's important, but at the same time, like I want to spend my energy building a new better as Ed always says, you know? Yeah. Fuck, fuck, build back. You want to build back better, better, right? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? You want to build back better. <laughs> yeah. We want to build our own better. Yeah, so, right. so exactly. man, uh, but I mean, you're just the, the work that you've been doing lately too, is just on point. Um, you know, maybe we can get into, like, I want to start off with just talking about solutions, you know, but, but also acknowledging at the same time, you know, the work that you've been doing, talking about like the great narrative, uh, this new metaverse that they've thrust upon <laughs> us. Um, you know, these articles that are posted on the last American vagabond. So just I want, you know, everyone in the audience, we talk about last American vagabond frequently, but if you're not, uh, up to speed, you know, it's just like one of the best resources out there, both Ryan Christian, Whitney Webb and Derek's work on there. You guys have to, you know, <laughs> can't say enough about the last American vagabond, but, uh, but the, one of the things too, that's coming up that I really think that we should highlight, um, you know, speaking of, you know, the great reset and all that stuff, uh, you've got the greater reset. What is this? The third, the third round coming up. That three, we're calling it the kind of theme that we're going with for the overall event is integration. And really all we mean by that is that, you know, we started this, this concept, this idea of, of okay, well, let's parallel, just like you are saying with freedom cells and everything else I try to do is come up with a solution for whatever the problem is. You know, like, like you mentioned in my articles with The Last American Vagabond and, and that journalistic work, I tried to call attention to the problems for people mm -hmm. who are still maybe learning about them or just those of us who want to keep up to date with what's going on, but also try to provide, okay, here's some steps and things we can do to counter that. And <sighs> last uh, fall, I'd say September, October, I was talking with uh, my you know, activist partner, John Bush, colleague, uh, who we were both just talking about the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum launched that, of course, in June 2020 with their book. And then they were talking about how in uh, January of this year, 2021, they were going to be having their annual meeting again in Davos, Switzerland to officially kind of unveil the Great Reset plan. So we were talking about, like, what could we do to um, I don't know, to just shine a light on it or to, you know, I knew for me journalistically, I would probably just be spending all week listening to them talk, to write articles about what it is and sharing that information with people. But it also felt important to do more than that, you know, not just to obsess over them for a week. And what did they talk about? What did he, Klaus Schwab say this time? Or, you know, because I think there's some of the movement that spends a lot of energy that way, just like watching these people and obsessing over them and only putting our energy into that, maybe not so much energy into what we can do. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where the thought process started of like, okay, let's not just follow them for the whole week. Maybe let's mirror what they're doing and counter it by hosting an event. You know, they talk about how they want to reset the financial system. They want to reset the food system. They want to reset healthcare and all these different areas and technology. And so that's kind of where our idea was originally born out of like, let's try to mirror what they're doing in the sense, um, but counter, you know, their vision of remaking the economy is central bank digital currencies, right? Their mm -hmm. version of remaking the food supply is centralizing it, United Nations, pesticide, GMOs, all these kinds of things, right? Basically take the same themes and uh, focus areas that they were looking at, but counter them in a way that represents bodily autonomy, individual liberty, uh, you know, decentralization, localization, et cetera. And that's where the whole idea was born out of. And so we did the first one in January of this year, 
uh, we did a uh, another event that's kind of tied in that we call D3, the Decentralized Distributed and Disruptive Tech Summit that exclusively focused on tech. And then we did the second event in uh, May. And so now we're coming back for this coming January 2022 with the third one. And, you know, we really don't have any big grand picture of what it's going to evolve or what it is evolving into. Again, it was just sort of born out of that idea of we need to counter these people. That's, 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 you know, they want to host their conferences and release mm -hmm. their books. Well, let's do the same thing. Let's bring people from our community to talk about these principles that are important to us. Let's expose these ideas to a lot of new people. And I think what we've seen both with the growth of the freedom cell network and with the greater reset, which are kind of tied together is that people are finally ready for solutions. You know, I've never seen as many people in the 12 years that I've been doing this and pretty extensively focusing on solutions, agorism, counter economics, a lot of these same ideas, freedom cells that not so many people I think were ready for a couple of years ago because people were very comfortable. You know, it's easy to mm -hmm. feel like, yeah, things are bad, but we got TV and internet and Netflix and food in the fridge and AC, things are comfortable, right? It's, it's harder to get people motivated when they're comfortable. But when people feel threatened, as they have felt with COVID, they get motivated to take action. And so for me, it's kind of been the silver lining, right, is that this COVID-1984 insanity has actually spurred people to finally want to take real steps. And I think the greater reset and what we're trying to do, offering five days, looking at these different areas, focusing exclusively on solutions. This isn't a COVID conference. This isn't a, you know, debating politics conference. And that's not to say anything about anybody who chooses any other path. It's just, we don't want to have another event that's just going to talk about COVID. We don't want to have another event that's going to debate viruses. We don't want to have another event that's going to, you know, get into political parties. Not to say, again, there isn't a time and a place for that, but to have an event that is exclusively focused on the solutions in these different areas. And we've, you know, it, the first event was viewed by over 100,000 people mm -hmm. live and then, you know, thousands more after that. And we're hoping, I think the momentum is building towards what we're doing in January. And we're, you know, going to have live in-person events in Texas and Mexico and for free online. So anybody who's hearing this, they can go to thegreaterreset.org and just sign up for the email updates. You know, we are going to be encouraging people to host local watch parties again, because mm -hmm. the goal, of course, is to build local community, not just to sit at home and watch it by yourself. I mean, if you, if you find value in that, that's fine too. But the goal is like, hey, use this as an opportunity to find those like minds in your community who, as you said, hey, I can be myself around. I can talk about real issues that matter around other people. And more, most importantly, I would say people who want to focus on solutions too. So I definitely want to invite everybody who's unfamiliar to check out the greaterreset.org and, and see how they can get involved. That's so great. I just want to, I have a question too, and I don't know if you can say any of this yet, but uh, I, I know like the, some of the speakers you've had, you've just had top-notch speakers at these events. Mm -hmm. Can can you list off some just so our listeners will get excited to want to, to want to mm -hmm. come watch the, the next Greater Reset? Sure. I can do even better than that. I can tell you guys the unreleased list. How about that? Oh, we have, nice. we've got about 10 more that we need to announce let me pull up real quick but i can say off the top of my head so obviously myself john bush uh ramiro romani who's uh, part of our team and has just been doing a lot of good work in the the tech area um we're gonna have uh what i'm well what i'll say besides the big names which i'll mention in a moment i'm also excited about the people who none of y'all would recognize but are mm -hmm. doing a lot of really great things so for That's example awesome. there's some some friends of ours that we've got connected with um uh, their names are Ale and Lucas, and Lucas is an act he's actually Austrian, but he lives in Mexico now, and uh, Ale is based here in Mexico, and they're, they live in the city that we're visiting right now, Tepo Teposlan, south of Mexico City, and so they've been just 
doing some amazing work. Like their, their freedom cell is highly organized and they're getting things done. And, um, you know, that's what we were meeting tonight to kind of talk about and have a brainstorming session and stuff. So they're going to be sharing some of the tips and tricks and things that they've been learning with their freedom cell. So I'm excited for people like them. And another thing that is really exciting to me is, uh, I've noticed since living in Mexico that, and I don't, I don't know, let me, let me think about, I don't think everybody really understands how much the English speaking world has been the truth movement to most degrees, you know, like whether you're talking about in Australia, Canada, North America, Western Europe, most of the truth movement is English speaking, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it's only been the last year and a half that I've seen now where we've got uh, Johan, who's another really awesome activist based in India. He started Anarchy Freedom in India. And at first he was doing English speaking content. Then he realized he wanted to focus on reaching his own people. So he started doing Hindi content and he started going viral in Hindi, started reaching more and more people growing. Right. And we've been getting my books and documentaries translated to Spanish. My point here is I'm recognizing more and more how not every country or culture has the, the truth movement that maybe we've sort of taken for granted. You know, we have all these different sectors of people debating each other and who's a shill and this and that, like that doesn't even mm -hmm. exist in a lot of other languages at this wow. point, right? There's not this, which to me presents this huge space in the market to present like, Hey, what happens then if you get some of those documentaries and books that woke mm -hmm. up a lot of us wow. into Spanish for yeah. the first time, what kind of impact could that happen? Right? Like, so I'm excited about that because this summer, we've seen the beginning of this. There's now groups called uh, Mexicans for Truth that are popping up around the country. They're organizing wow. on Telegram. And so there's a gentleman by the name of Andreas Bravo who's gonna be speaking from that group at the event. And I'm really excited because that to me is how we're gonna really build worldwide, like actually make this a worldwide thing is it's gotta get in as many languages as possible and reach as many people as possible. So I'm super excited about that. Um, obviously, we're also going to have names like uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, Max Egan is down here in Mexico as well. So he'll be oh, speaking cool. with us. Awesome. We're going to have you know some speakers in person in Mexico, some pe people in person in Texas, and then uh, some coming in online. Uh, here in Mexico, myself, uh, Ramiro, Max Egan, um, Andreas, who I mentioned, Ali and Lucas, uh, and some other uh, activists. There's this gentleman named River Richardson and his partner is Imani uh, Mama Lucian. They do a lot of great work and they're actually, their project's called Haven Earth. They're really focused on intentional communities, but also Paul, um, excuse me, River does some really great work building what he calls hempels, like hemp structures, natural mm. building. And so they're going to come speak a lot about that. And we're actually, for those who are going to be in Mexico, we're actually going to have um, an in-person Hempel build, like a small build for those who want to come get that hands-on experience. So I'm excited about that. We're going to have the, the uh, guys, Mike and um, forgetting names right now, but the guys from Cordal are going to be involved, kind of unveiling mm -hmm. the next stage of their project. James Corbett's going to be presenting online. Foster Gamble will be online. Uh, ben Swan's going to be in person in Texas. I don't know if we've announced Ben yet. Um, cool. Jim Gale, who's doing Food Forest Abundance, he's yep. been doing really great work. Uh, Curtis Stone, ur the urban farmer, he'll be presenting again. Joel Salatin, he'll be uh, live in Texas presenting. Our friend uh, Mike Swaytek, who's um, again maybe an activist whose name's not uh, you know recognizable at first, but he's doing some really important work, and he's involved with this project called the Domestead Project. So he's like helping people build dome structures and and so we're gonna again the theme being integration we're very much going to try to focus on as much practical hands-on things for people as possible um we are going to have Catherine austin fitz mm -hmm. i think i mentioned rfk jr josh del sol of the uh, take back your power movement the 5g summit aaron elizabeth of the health nut news 
Um, Dr. Tess Laurie, who's involved in the World Council for Health, they're doing some really amazing work trying to offer an alternative to the World Health Organization, give people real valuable health um, and healthcare advice and COVID-related advice and stuff that isn't just about the jabs and the shots and things like that. Um, Jeffrey Tucker, who is really well known in parts of the libertarian movement, he'll be bringing his his thoughts and perspective. And uh, there's a few others that are just going to be bringing oh, one I will mention for those who know about the White Rose, the stickers, mm. anybody who's yep. have representatives of the White Rose presenting as well. Nice. So that'll be really cool. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be a good mix of like financial thinkers and community builders, tech, permaculture, talking about parallel networks, body, mind, soul, sort of everything in between. Try to have a little bit of everything for everyone. I mean, we really do try to take a holistic approach. I think all of these areas are valuable and should apply to everybody. But obviously, some people will be more drawn to one area or another. Man, that's so powerful. Yeah. Um, it's funny. My roommate, um, he's a uh, named John. He's he's awesome. He's we're, we're I'm helping him develop this like off grid heating system, like using rocket stoves. I think he said he met you up in Portland when you were up there. Anyway, he he last night I come home and he's like, he's like I bought tickets. I'm going. I'm driving. So he's driving in his camper down to Boda, Texas, to take take place in, in person. He was super excited. I'm like, yes, go awesome. get it, go yeah. represent. Great. So yeah, man, uh, it's just super inspiring that that you're man that you're just uh, you're putting all this together um yeah it's pretty awesome so uh, thank you I'm guys i appreciate too. it i'm really excited i'm too, glad so. you guys are you're 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 gonna have community representatives at one yep. or both of the locations man i mean yep. and i do want to invite again like anybody who we recognize it right now is maybe a interesting time to be trying to put on a live event right for most people they're canceling events again because mm -hmm. we're hearing now about the latest variant or whatever and we also empathize with the fact that there are people who are in our international community who can't leave their country. Yeah. I mean, it's insane that that's the case, right? Like we had, we've just seen in the last month, a flood of Canadians coming to Mexico because it was one of the only places they could get to without shots, you know, tests and quarantines wow. and all that. And so, I mean, we understand like the reality, but even if you're in a position where you can't come to Texas or you can't come to Mexico, do what you can to get organized locally and host a watch party. If you can't mm -hmm. host the watch party for all five days, Look at the themes and the speakers that we're presenting. Find a day that suits your community best. And, you know, whether it's your house or a park or a local venue that you can partner with, we're going to actually be putting out a sort of a step-by-step um, -step process encouraging people to create these local watch parties to try to just make it as easy as possible. And that's been the other beautiful thing. And for those who've watched the past events, not only is it about the in-person event, but we try to highlight like, hey, look at these folks in Switzerland's watching, look at these people in Germany and elsewhere, and really just help everybody recognize there are people all over the world tuned in right now. We're all thinking about the same things. We're all trying to find these solutions. And there's just so much strength in that. Absolutely. 100%. Well, yeah, I'm really excited for it, and it will definitely be hosted. We, we will, yeah, we'll yeah, definitely yeah, host party. Yeah, yeah. I yep. have ideas already. So. Good, awesome. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about another project that you're working on. Um, so the Pyramid of Power. Oh yeah, I love the Pyramid of Power, and not only that, but Becca, your editor, who's just like killing it. Yeah. She's uh, she's in our Freedom Cell here locally in our town, and so like she's a friend of the show. She's a friend of ours. Like she helped me. She, she schooled me on uh, crypto like back in the day. Like she helped me set up my wallets and like really helped me understand like Binance and stuff like that. And so she's a friend of the show. And so tell us a little bit about the Pyramid of Power. That's awesome. I didn't know you guys were connected with Becca like yeah. that. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been a great, great experience, man. I mean, I'm, I'm we're only halfway done and uh, it's which is kind of cool. I mean, I'll share a couple of things about it. For those who are unfamiliar, uh, the pyramid of power dot net. You can see the first eight episodes, both. Mm -hmm 
the first two seasons totally for free transcripts sources everything are there that you need and in the coming week we'll be adding the spanish versions there as well for people because we did have we just becca helped us uh, release the spanish versions we had some friends within the community do all the translations it's just been amazing the amount of people who are helping get this out to more people but it uh the the, the documentary actually came from a tour i did back in 2018 um it was called the liberate your mind tour and that year miriam and i'd hit 52 cities believe it or not and uh, it was an insane time but it was for me i wanted to do a different talk for that um that tour it was more like obviously the solutions is something i'm always going to focus on but i realized at that time in my work i'd been doing this for about eight years at that time that i had never really done a deep dive on like the big picture right mm-hmm. and so the pyramid of power was a live presentation it was a two-hour presentation that I was giving as part of this tour that covered all the different things that i'm going through now in deeper documentary form um, and then ended, of course, with solutions in each of these areas. And so that's where it started. But even when I was, when I was doing the tour, I was like, wow, I could easily talk about this for three or four hours. But, you know, there's got to try to condense it here and there. I realized right away, like, this is not the best format for it. Like, it's it's too much information to, like, expect people to just sit down and, like, take in the whole picture, right? It, it's a lot. And it's also, I think, documentary. What I love about documentaries is it's visually appealing to people. You know, it's like they're hearing the information. And that's one thing. I mean, I put probably 50 to 100 hours into each episode just digging up so much stuff. And then a lot of it doesn't even make it into the documentary. But I do all the research, put it all in something. And I try to like, okay, what's the narrative here? And, and what really needs to be in it? And maybe others are not, you know, as important. So it takes a lot of effort to to kind of craft the story in the way that I wanted to. And I realized when I was doing it as a presentation that it was just too much. I needed to do it in documentary form. And so I kind of have quietly been working on it behind the scenes for a couple of years, but it wasn't until 2020 when I decided that I was going to really do it. And uh, I actually am working with Becca, uh, Becca Goodwin and uh, Mm -hmm. Godwin and my other editor, Jeremy Martin, who is actually based in the UK. And so Jeremy and I were working on it first and then Becca and I got connected and I realized like she's just incredibly talented and the mm-hmm. two of them make a great team together. So, um, you know, I, we decided to, I, we got them together and I said, I have this really huge project in mind. It's going to consume like a good amount of our lives for the next year and a half. And I want, you know, if you guys want to do it, I'll pay you, we'll raise money. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to make it happen. But I, I just got to get this out of my head. And so, yeah, we started working on it and, I will say it is a labor of love. It is a mm-hmm. stressful time working on it. Like I'm glad to be taking a break from the writing process. I'll probably be getting back to it in a couple of weeks because I'm trying to do something that I don't think has been done before. Obviously, there are different documentaries on each of these topics that are an hour and a half themselves, two hours. And there's the information's out there, right? To, to seasoned veteran researchers, some of the information, like, yeah, okay, I know that. I know that. Hopefully, there's nuggets of things that are new. But what I'm trying to do is not necessarily recreate the wheel when when not needed. You know, there's other people who've already done the work. Well, let me reference their work, but condense it down into a digestible, bingeable 20 to 25 minute episode. That's my goal is to I think we've had a couple of them that were about 27 minutes, but I try to aim to keep it under 25 minutes. Um, In some cases, it's just it's nearly impossible because there's so much to the topics. But to make it where somebody could sit down and could get, you know, the download and at half an hour or less. And ideally, when all 16 episodes are released, it'll be something that, as I said, could be bingeable or somebody, if they get really get hooked in, they're like, wow, I'm going to go to the next one. Keep going, keep going. And before it, you know, you go from somebody who might totally be not aware of any of these things to they're awake now by the end of the process, or at least you got them thinking and got them, you know, kind of turning these ideas over in their head. So I wanted to 
yeah, make it where it could be palatable. It could be done in less than 30 minutes and to have solutions in it. You know, there's a lot of documentaries, again, that have talked about these areas, but there's very few that talk about any kind of solutions in any of the departments. So I wanted to get the vital information, present that in 20 minutes or so, and then also make sure that there are solutions and suggested items to at least kind of pick up and as well as further reading, further documentaries to to go deeper for those who are kind of beginning their journeys in that area. And yeah, so far, I think we have been pretty successful. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm feel like honored to work with Becca and Jeremy because I do all the research myself. I do all the, um, you know, I sit with it and just research, put it all together, write the script. I do uh, all the recording of the audio and the editing of the audio and narration myself. And then there's maybe every now and then in the script, I might have a vision of something I want to see, but generally I just hand it over to them and let them do their magic and let them express themselves creatively that way and say, Hey, like, you know, do what you want to do. And, you know, we kind of go back and forth until we hammer out the final product. And it's just been a, a really great creative relationship. Um, Cause those aren't, I don't really have editing. I have minor basic editing skills, but not nearly to the degree that is needed for this kind of work. You know, I felt like if I was to just release this, me reading the audio or something like that, or just doing a normal, typical video talking about, hey, big oil, big pharma, whatever, it wouldn't have nearly the same impact. You know, I think it's just the yeah. all the, the package is what makes it what it is. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm just really excited to continue working on it. The next season, season three, will probably start coming out after the Greater Reset, February-ish or so, and around there. And um, yeah, it's just we're we're kind of. I feel like the first two seasons were. Uh, again, like 101 for some people, some basic kind of beginner things in some ways, mm -hmm. but also starting to get like hints at the deeper picture, you know, hinting like, hey, maybe there's a eugenics things going on here. Mm -hmm. We'll explore that soon, right? Well, now in season three, we're going to start getting into some of the deeper. And by the time we get to season four, we're getting into uh, exploring the realities of sex trafficking. We're going to get into mm -hmm. secret societies and occultism and, you know, some of these different elements. And again, trying to take the same approach, which I think I've successfully been able to achieve, which is just looking at it truly objectively, you know, because there's no need for speculation. There's no need for the doom porn and the fear porn, because the truth is scary enough. I mean, that's the thing. What I think sometimes people overdo it with certain documentaries because you don't have to just make things up. There's, there's more than enough facts to kind of look at and to share, you know, that's such a good point. You know, and, and I think uh, one of the things that Megan talks about a lot is like redefining what victory looks like for us. You know what I mean? And and uh, the idea that we're going to somehow defeat these bad guys or that they're going to someday like confess to their sins and <laughs> like just all of a sudden start doing nice, good things. You know what I mean? That's just impossible. It's or even if you take those ones out, the new ones aren't going to just spring yeah, up exactly. in their place. Just the so. vacuum of, of evil will always be filled, you know? And so redefining what victory looks like. And I would say victory looks like, you know, what exactly what you're doing like in mexico you know building community you know building and and what we're what we're trying to do you know like it doesn't matter what they do yeah, yeah. Just like, that's the idea that's the whole idea of all this stuff is get to the point where it doesn't matter what they do yeah. it doesn't matter what they do because we have we've insulated ourselves and built our our lives uh, independent of all that you know so important um absolutely so, that's the bigger goal for sure without a doubt that's to make sure that we can remain free from them and and like you said kind of um get to the point where it ultimately doesn't matter where like where i mean i think the the ideal would be that the documentaries become useless because mm -hmm. well it doesn't even matter at this point because we can read you know we can learn that if we want to but ultimately they are not even having an effect on our lives so yeah. whatever they do that's fine it doesn't affect us anymore right 
Yep, exactly. And that's kind of what, what, what we started this show all about, is like to get people up to speed, you know, just dropping truth bombs on people, just trying to help them understand some of the basics so that they could have a context to understand what was going on with the COVID thing. And then like as this show has kind of evolved, we've kind of, we try to do more solution-focused stuff, but but at the same time, you know, we do dive into that. But, uh, you know, this, this whole thing is taking on, a, like, as you imagine, when you first started down this road, I mean, it's obviously taken on a whole life of its own. It had, almost has, like, its own momentum and energy behind it, you know, just the, whether it's the activism or uh, just, you know, the, the whatever form that it takes, you know. <laughs> and, so, oh, and we're three individuals that all have our own, uh, you know, likes and desires mm-hmm. that kind of, t- that kind of dictate where we go. You know, I'm just totally about all the medical freedom yep. stuff, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, it, that's dictates the guests we get and the, mm-hmm. the conversations we have, but mm-hmm. you know, it's all coming back to the same things is that that dependence on that system is whether it's, whether it's um, through big pharma or big ag or, or any of these things, you're, I mean, they're all poisoning us. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Oh yeah. So, and, and so, all of this is kind of under the umbrella of the conscious resistance. And so that's kind of your your flagship platform. So can you tell us a little bit about the conscious resistance and maybe, you know, getting into a little bit about your background and how the conscious resistance came to be? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I'd love to um, talk about whatever you want to talk about about the book. I'd love to get into that. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, the, the website, my main website and movement for lack of a better term is what i call the conscious resistance the conscious resistance.com it's also the title of my uh, book trilogy mm-hmm. and i for me that phrase it you know the here's my typical definition of it the realization the recognition the understanding that the struggle for a more free and ethical just world will not come from only confronting the physical institutions of power but that we have to contend with what i call our internal tyrant our own internal doubts, fears, insecurities, limiting beliefs, and things that can hold us back. So what the heck does that really mean? Mm-hmm. It means that for me, before I got into activism, I was addicted to drugs. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was dealing with a lot of trauma. And I, through my healing experiences and working on that trauma, came to understand that, you know, it's important that that struggle, that attempt to heal in whatever ways. I mean, I think that I'm, I'm a big believer that no matter what your upbringing, your environment, uh, your age, whatever background, that we all have different doubts, fears, and insecurities that express themselves in different ways. And something that might be super paralyzing to me might be, you know, nothing to one of you guys, right? I mean, we all have different experiences. And sometimes maybe you see somebody that you inspired by or you appreciate and you see you know that humanness of them you see like they have this insecurity and you're like wow i can't believe that affects you because you know and you in my eyes you're so amazing in all these different ways and you can just see how their insecurity whatever it may be can be very paralyzing it can be it can be something that can hold them back and that's something that i dealt with most of my early life growing up in a family of drug drug addicts and alcoholics people going to prison in and out of prison visiting my father in prison and stuff like that all those experiences really shaped me as a young kid made it where i was just i put i think i put a lot of the blame on my shoulders and so i was i just became very like depressed at a young age six seven years old um and like i said i had a few different suicide attempts and as i became a teenager became super angry that anger eventually turned into using drugs to try to escape from all this mix of emotions i was dealing with right and that eventually led me to going to prison when i was 20 years old i got addicted to crystal meth and went to prison and I did that kind of bounced in, in and out of the Texas state institutions from October, uh, November 2005 till about October 2008. 
And it was those experiences that directly shaped my activism and became what I call the conscious resistance, because I feel like my experience with dealing with trauma and processing that trauma and finding ways to turn it into something, you know, positive and, and do something with it, not just sort of be another victim of my circumstances, right. Or continue that cycle that I had been seeing with my family. I don't know that if I hadn't gone, if I hadn't gone through those things that I would be doing what I'm doing now. I mean, maybe eventually I would have found my way here. Right. But I do know that I had to go through those experiences first. And, you know, how does that relate to freedom? How does that relate to anarchism or to the search for, for freedom and activism? For me, it was the understanding that when I got locked up, when I went to prison and I started asking myself, how did I get here? How did I get into this position? Why was I sticking up as many drugs up my nose as possible? What was I looking for? You know, what was I searching for? What was I trying to escape from? All these questions and all this digging was the beginning of my healing process. I discovered meditation while I was locked up. I started journaling a whole lot. And it was the beginning of me just kind of slowing down and having to be with, the, you know, the, all the stuff I was feeling. Because, you know, the, the chaos of the external world out here, it makes it very easy to distract yourself, right? You can drink booze, you can take drugs, or you can just be on the internet all day. You can distract yourself a million different ways and avoid feeling if you don't want to, right? And so I remember before I got locked up and before I had that intense experience, I, I, was, I was super depressed. I was still suicidal. I was going through a lot of things. I remember my mother had found me in a closet at her house. I was staying at her house. I had just started to get away from the drugs. I was getting away from like a crack house and meth house. I was really trying to get myself together. And she let me come back to her house. And I remember she found me like in the closet in this room. And I was just like on my knees, just crying. And she's like, son, what, you know, what's going on? How can I help you? And I remember I just telling her like, it, I just need a pause. Like everything is just going too fast. I feel like I just can't get a handle on my thoughts. Like I need to, you know, I need a pause. I need a pause. Two weeks later, I got arrested and I got my pause, not in the form I was expecting or necessarily wanting, but it gave me the space to really start digging in and thinking and like, okay, wow, here I am. Now I've got a pause. Now I'm stuck in this cage. No matter what I do, no matter who I call, how much I cry or complain or, you know, fight or whatever, I'm not going home for at least a year. What am I going to do with that time? Am I going to just sit here and be pissed off at the world or am I going to choose to do something with it? Right. And that was the beginning of that journey. And so having those experiences before I ever knew anything about 9-11, ever knew anything about medical mafia, knew any of this stuff that, you know, is in, in our world now, that happened first. I got out October 2008, and then I started waking up late 2009, started the activist group, the Houston Free Thinkers in 2010, and on and on and on I'm doing today. Experiences happened first. And so when I did start to get into activism, I was on my kind of healing journal journey. I was very open to anything because I was just like, I need healing. I don't know what it is. I'm going to put my ego aside. I'm going to whatever, you know, I, I'm just going to trust. Okay. If somebody, if you want to try this modality, you want to try this meditation, you want to try this group thing. Like I was open to it. You know, I would just, I would go for it. And I had a lot of healing experiences, a lot of memories and things coming back to me just by choosing to be open. And like I said, putting my ego aside and say, all right, I, I feel kind of silly. I don't know if this thing is going to work, but I'm here for my healing. So I'm just going to focus on that and get what I can and just started opening up to a lot of different experiences at the same time that I was starting to question the world around me and starting to, you know, research the drug war, for example, having just gotten out of prison for drugs. And it was like, wow, there's all this back history of the drug war I never knew about. What else is there? You know, that was like a light bulb going off of like, hey, what else have I been being lied to about? And uh, yeah, but the spiritual kind of journey happened first 
And so when I started to get into the activism and researching conspiracies and things for the first couple of years, it was just spiritual life and an activist life. They were two separate worlds that I kind of was existing in. And then in 2013, summer 2013, I had another kind of shift or download. It was just one of those nights where you're, you know, you're up for too long and you can't sleep and watching David Icke videos and whatever else all night, just, you know, and uh, the phrase, the conscious resistance came to me. And it was just like, that's where it came to me. It's like, wow, this is it. Like I, I've been living a double life and I can't do that anymore. Like this is one thing. For me, freedom is both spiritual and physical. It's both mental and it's psychological. You know, it's all the different things. And it, that's that's what I've strived to do with my work. And um, my buddy, John Vibes, who is actually the co-author of that book, mm -hmm. we started, uh, We, me and him met through, he's in the East Coast. Me and him met just through synchronicity, brought us together in the movement. We both realized like, hey, we have an interest in psychedelics and shamanism and anarchism and volunteerism, you know, and we started having some podcast conversations about that and that eventually evolved to become the book like but at first it was just like hey here's another person who's into psychedelics and you know shamanism and native american traditions as well as anarchism and it didn't seem at the time 2010 2011 2012 there weren't so many people exploring these concepts and i'm i'm thankful to say that now there are a lot more of us mm -hmm. who see that commonality between between spirituality and freedom and uh, more specifically spirituality and anarchism because it definitely was a, a there was a lot less people in the space before and now i think more and more people get that absolutely and and it's such a well-written book man i just i can't say enough praise about it you know i'm, I'm almost done almost done i'm about halfway through with uh, the manifesto of the free humans i even did like a live stream a few weeks ago i'm like you guys you guys you gotta I was like, I was like so excited about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but the first chapter of the manifesto of the free humans is just so I've re went, went back and reread it several times. It's just like, these are new, new, new ideas, man. The idea of like, just, you know, like, like we're so trapped in this idea. You know, you were talking about, um, oh my gosh, I don't know how am I, I'm embarrassed. I'm blanking on his, on his name. Um, but just the idea of like, when you're in a slave system, like you can't even perceive outside of it. Um, Frederick Douglass, pardon me. Sorry, gosh. Yeah. Uh, the story of Frederick Douglass, you know, and 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 uh, just the idea of like, like this this is not the ultimate advancement of civilization, you know, and uh, this like this current situation with the current state of affairs, the government, capitalism, like all of this, this is not the most advanced that humans can can get to, and I think that's kind of an illusion that this is the best we have to offer, this is the best we can do, and that we need to start reframing the conversation around. Wait a minute, why do we have to have this? authority you know what what and, and and just bringing it back to just some of the basics you know and when when we say anarchism you know that automatically triggers something in everyone's mind and you more to me like i picture more like you know the black block antifa type of deal you know that's what i picture as like an anarchist you know what i mean but but very I see some crusty punk rockers some crusty punk rocker something like that yeah so so yeah what, but none of the punks actually know anything about anarchism that's the <laughs> not anymore trick. apparently not <laughs> Apparently not. So, yeah. so how how would you recommend we go back and reframe this conversation around that? Um, I mean, I think that you're right to be uh, selective or you know, kind of careful in the words we choose. Right? I I tend to use anarchism in in circles where I feel like I'm going to be understood. Um, sure. You know, people. I don't need to explain myself. But you're correct that like in the average circle you know, anywhere you use that word and there's going to be charged feelings one way or the other. Like you mm -hmm. said, some people think of like, oh yeah, I knew a bunch of crust punks that were anarchists, right? Or, oh wait, aren't those the Antifa people who come punch me in the face, right? Everybody's got a different uh, mm -hmm. kind of vision of that. I think some of that is by design. And, and there mm -hmm. are folks who have felt like it were, we're better off 
focusing on words like voluntarism or yeah. other things. And, and I'm, you know, I think ultimately voluntarism is anarchism. So I, you know, I think they can be used interchangeably. Um, but I think that, yeah, it really comes down to showing people by actions, right? Cause most mm. people I think are, are learning by, uh, observation, things that we can see and feel and hear, right? That's, an, you know, another thing with freedom cells is when we were first talking about this in 2015, 2016, it's just this abstract idea. Hey, maybe we could all get together and organize locally and try to form groups and we could connect and form this larger network that could be used for traveling, whatever. We were just dreaming it up. And again, unless you're somebody who's super highly motivated, forward thinking, et cetera, like some of us are, you might not even be able to imagine it, right? I mean, some people can't imagine for example, a world without government or a world mm -hmm. with even less government or a world without cops or a world with less cops. Like these concepts are so foreign to their everyday reality that it's hard for them to even place it in anything, right? So I think that beyond getting stuck into semantic debates about the specific words we use, obviously words do have power, but more than, you know, getting stuck in those debates is what I think is important is showing people mm -hmm. like through our actions, right? Which is what I think has been so inspiring for me to see with freedom cells and just seeing it growing to that point where people are you know every i think there's different cells at different stages it's a big decentralized movement so things look different from one city one country to the next but the places where people are really truly taking on the ideas they're not just sitting around talking they're getting things done mm -hmm. they're organizing they're as i said growing food together they're taking concrete actions and those are the things that then inspire other people like oh wow look at those people they're living happy and free and they don't have shots and they're not wearing masks they're mm -hmm. you know they're eating good healthy food their kids seem to be balanced and well adjusted you know people can see with their eyes and hear with their ears and i think that's kind of what's most important to me because then you can show somebody this is anarchism this is freedom, right? People growing their own food, people getting organized. There's no, nobody's being forced here. Everybody's just coming upon their own accord. This is spontaneous order. This is people coming together voluntarily, consensually and saying, hey, we want to work with you. We want to grow food with you. We want to raise our kids together, whatever the case may be. And I think that is how you show people because even... Uh, you know, since writing the book and we released that version in 2020, it's the most up-to-date version. That's mm -hmm. like what I, I wish I could find everybody who bought the book prior to then and take it back from them and give them that version because, you know, that's like the most complete up-to-date version. But I think that, you know, like my ideas are always evolving and I do consider myself to be an anarchist and agorist. And I also know and believe that anarchism is more of a state of mind too, that it, it exists like in the moments where there aren't force and violence and coercion. Like every time that people choose to come together consensually and do an exchange like that is a moment of anarchism right there like that is a moment of freedom right there right it doesn't necessarily always look like something we can point to long term but it's in those moments right it's in the moments where people come together even just this conversation we're choosing to engage knowing that we're going to respect each other's time right now you could mm -hmm. be doing anything else in the world other than talking to me i could be doing anything else other than talking to you but we're saying hey we're going to consensually voluntarily come together exchange ideas learn from each other, et cetera. Like that is anarchism right here. This is us coming mm -hmm. together. There's nobody forcing us to be here. I think that's what's important for people to see as well, that it happens all the time, every day around us. But we have been propagandized to believe that it's some far off distant ideal that we can only get to once the government's gone or something. Instead of a place and, and, and a, an experience that we can aspire to create every day in our relationships.
So in that context, that's, that's great. So in that context, we can take a look at our lives, right? I can take a look at my life. And, and if I'm doing, if I'm engaged in an activity where it's like, well, I would rather not be doing this. So therefore maybe it's a little bit against my will. So how do I extricate myself from this? This is me being in the matrix for some reason, you know, even if I'm doing activities that are maybe something that's not ideal, like, you know, I, I don't, sadly, not, not taking care of like all the duties on the farm, you know, that some of that may not be like the thing that you want to do ideally, but it's something that's got to be done, but it's something that you're like willingly engaged in because it's so important to do. For me, I can take a look at my daily life and be like, ugh, yeah, I don't really need to be doing that. You know, like going to, going to work, you know, going to work, uh, you know, for, for a job that you're just stuck on the treadmill of life and you're just not too satisfied with it. Like this is something that I'm engaged in against my will at this point. Right. Right. And these are the, this is the matrix we're trying Preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. That's a good litmus test to take a look at your life and to see what activities you're engaged in involuntarily. Yeah. Right. Can yeah. I add one more thing to that? Of course. So I, I think that this is something that's expressed in that book um, in a few different chapters in some different ways, but it's also something that I, even more specifically focused in another one of my books, which people, I don't know if we mentioned this, but all, you can download my books for free at theconsciousresistance.com. There's another book I released in 2017 called The Holistic Self-Assessment. Mm. And it's a book that I wrote for mainstream normie people to kind of bring them into our circles without talking about politics. There's no discussion in there about government. There's no mention of anarchism or any of that, but it is absolutely designed to help people do what you were just describing there talking mm -hmm. about like okay well my job this and that like the idea is taking this holistic look at your entire life and seeing in which ways your life may or may not be aligned with your values right so mm -hmm. there's 10 chapters they're all very simple and they each ask a single question and each chapter also ends with an exercise and it's meant to be like a workbook that you can write in and kind of work through and you know come back and forth and process and so the first question is who am i you know getting to do more self-introspection it's a big question. Some people like, I can't even get past the first step, you know, but it's mm -hmm. that first beginning to like get to think about like, well, who am I not who, you know, okay, well, I'm a plumber. No, no, no. That's your job. Who are you as a person? It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm this, this many years age. Like, no, no, that's your age. Right. Like really getting down to what is it that embodies you as an individual that you identify with? And that could be a very helpful exercise to see the way you think about yourself and all kinds of things. So who am I? And then you start going into what are my principles? So understanding for one, what is a principle? Sometimes people don't even, you know, we kind of abstractly think we get that, but what does that really mean, right? So what is a principle? What are the principles that I try to hold dear and that I try to live by? Identifying those, you know, for me, that's the non-aggression principle, um, self-ownership, seventh generation principle, trying to think about my impacts on the coming generations, right? Getting people to think about that. So who am I? What are my principles? And then you start doing that self-assessment, looking at your habits, um, well, first you talk about goals. So what are my goals, right? Okay, well, I want to achieve this thing in the next month, this in the next six months, this in the next year, whatever, however deep you want to go. And then you get to the real work. You look at your habits, you look at your relationships, and you start to see these different areas of your life that maybe don't align with what you claim to aspire to be, right? Like maybe you say, I believe in the non-aggression principle. I want to live my life in a way that is free of force, um, fraud and coercion on other people, right? That's something I hold dear. But then you start to look at your habits. You're like, well, maybe in this one activity that I participate in, I'm kind of working against myself, right? Or you mentioned the job. Maybe you start looking at your job and you're like, wow, you know, this is paying the bills, but it's actually going against the things that I hold dear and the way that I want to live my life. This is an inconsistency. And it's not meant for 
me or anybody else to say, hey, you're living wrong. It's meant for the individual to say, hey, here's a moment to, this is an opportunity to say, can I live more in line with my values, right? And so that holistic self-assessment just means like you're looking at your habits, you're looking at your personal relationships, you're looking at, you know, I talk about the economy, like how you make your money, where you spend your money, what you're supporting through those purchases, your food, your diet, like, you know, what you're supporting through that diet, you know, where you get it, all these different things, but just looking at these different areas of your life and trying to identify as many potentials where there's room for improvement. And of course, there's always room for improvement. None of us are perfect. And it, you also can recognize how difficult it actually is to live in line with your values because of this world that they've created around us. It's not to your fault or either one of your faults. If you, you know, work a job that you're like, yeah, this isn't really fulfilling or it's, you know, it's, I'm in the rat race. Well, we're victims of the fact, I mean, not to some degree, victims of the world that we've been born into. That's why folks like us want to create new alternatives. So the ones coming after us have a choice, right? They're not just stuck with work a job because that's all there is. You have a choice to maybe try to live a life that actually does live in line with your values. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that that to me is another key component of just trying to be a free person, right? Really thinking about your personal habits, your goals, your individual relationships, whether those are romantic relationships, personal relationships, business relationships, are those in line with the values that you hold dear? Do you even know what the values are that you hold dear? You know, do you know what the principles you want to live by? Can you identify them? Can you write them down? And then can you see where you might be out of alignment with those? And it doesn't mean it's going to be one or two steps. Like this might take some, you know, effort, some real effort and rearranging of your life. And, and, and it also maybe asking yourself like, Hey, how, how crucial or important is this relationship or this habit I have? You know, it's something I've been doing my whole life, but it really is out of alignment with who I'm trying to be. I need to mm -hmm. rethink that, right? I need to really consider, do I really hold this this principle dear? Or maybe I'm just fooling myself. Maybe I don't really want to be free. Maybe I'm just, you know, I like the idea, but it sounds like a lot of work and it sounds like I might have to change friends or change relationships mm -hmm. or change habits. And that's too much. You know, I'll just stay here because it's comfortable, right? And that's up for each individual to decide. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to get your take and, and just your uh, the way you would explain the non-aggression principle, because I mean, yes, it, it sounds like, like just the non-aggression principle. We're not being aggressive, no violence, right? I feel like where we're headed with this, um, whatever this is going to end up being, I feel like they're going to try to force into some sort of conflict in some one, one way or another. And I don't know whether it's going to be, you know, some false flag or if it's going to be some some crazy situation. I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like that's <laughs> the roads ahead that way, man. And I hate it. Um, and so talk about doing the more difficult thing. The more difficult thing is practicing, putting the non-aggression principle into practice as we move forward in, in this, you know, and, and standing in our truth in absolute non-aggression. But, but I feel like, but, but then you see, if we were to be, you know, coerced into some conflict then we're fighting on their terms, you know, we're fighting on the enemy's terms where, where they're best at, like they're experts at that. And we have to be experts in the non-aggression principle if we're going to win in, in the way we want to win. And so what would be your uh, take on uh, the non-aggression principle? I guess? Yeah, I think that, you know, a general definition definition of it for me would be just the general philosophy that, you try to live a life that, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't doesn't coerce individuals, doesn't defraud individuals, doesn't initiate physical force or violence against them. Um, you know, there's even within different circles, there's a lot of debates on like, well, what exactly constitutes aggression then, right? Can words be aggression? You know, you can get into the semantics and the kind of debate. And I think there's some 
um, nuances there that are important to discuss. But generally speaking, the non-aggression principle is about trying to to live a life that aims for again the voluntarist lifestyle so maybe we should elaborate on that first sure. voluntarism as i mentioned it's it's a synonym for anarchism but specifically it means a philosophy that aims to have all relationships be consensual and voluntary right and so that sounds pretty basic people hear that they like, okay yeah voluntary consensual relationships but the more you break it down, you realize, okay, so what relationships aren't voluntary and aren't consensual? The government being the big one, that we're coerced into having a relationship with them, whether we like it or not, or at least that's what we're told to believe, right? And you start to realize, okay, well, I only want to interact with people where my relationships are voluntary, where we have a choice. We're choosing again to interact right now on this podcast. Um, We could make another choice if we wanted to. The difference with the state in that case is that, for example, the state says you have to pay taxes whether you like it or not, or we're going to throw you in a cage. That's not a consensual relationship. That's not a voluntary relationship, right? So the non-aggression principle is part of the goal of creating a voluntary society where individuals do have choice in all relationships, right? And that you have the opportunity to opt out of relationships that are not consensual, that are not voluntary, because the most productive relationships, I think we would all agree, are the ones where people choose to come together and exchange. Businessman, customer, you know, husband, wife, whatever the situation. People coming together, contracting con- consensually and voluntarily. And so to me, the non-aggression principle is essentially saying that that is the foundation of a voluntary society. Because if you're going to have a voluntary consensual society, then the main kind of moral or custom or norm that people would need to ascribe to is to say, okay, well, you're free to live how you choose to live so long as you're not infringing on my freedom to live as I live and so long as we're not impinging upon other people and on and on, that we're not aggressing on other people using that force, fraud, and coercion, right? And to me, that is the foundation of a healthy free society. I think it also works in tandem with self-ownership, right? Because if I recognize that you the three of you are free, powerful, beautiful people capable of rec- you know, making your own choices and decisions. And I don't necessarily have to agree with your life choices to recognize, hey, you are in charge of your own life. You have that right to do so, right? I can disagree with you and say, hey, man, I, I don't really know that's the wisest thing for you. Or, hey, maybe you could try this differently. And you can say, cool, but I'm going to do it my way, right? We can agree to disagree and all those things. But ultimately, what it really comes down to is saying that it is wrong for me to come force you to do something that you don't want to do to force you to live the way I want. And it's also wrong for me to vote for a government to force you to do it. Right. I mean, that's kind Mm -hmm. of the underpinning of it for me. And yeah, I think that that the basis of it is just self-ownership. Like you own yourself. Right. And if you own yourself, then it's wrong for me to force you to do something that I want. You know, if that, if it Mm -hmm. goes against what you want. And then in terms of what you were asking about, like the potential for false flags and, you know, having to fight back and stuff like that. I do think that, most definitions that I've come across for the non-aggression principle, definitely there's a caveat for self-defense. You know, I I mean, people shouldn't confuse non-aggression principle for pacifism. They are two different concepts. Totally. Um, You know, pacifists would be the ones to just, I guess, lay down and take it or just turn the other cheek or however you think. But, you know, um, non-aggression principle doesn't mean like, yeah, we, we, we just, we're just going to lay over and, you know, let people run over us. Now, Does that mean that we would have a good time trying to be some guerrilla resistance? I mean, I don't know. Things could get messy, right? I think Mm -hmm. we're all working towards a time where we don't need to do that. 
But I think it's also wise to be prepared for anything as much as reasonably possible. You know, when none of us, I mean, I think, let's say the vast majority of us are not trained um, commandos. Uh, we don't have the amount of weapons. We don't have drones on our side. We don't have a lot of these toys that they have. And yet history has shown that guerrilla warfare is a powerful thing and can take down big empires that people wouldn't suspect, you know, mm -hmm. uh, could be taken down. So... I definitely think that there is value while practicing non-aggression and while preaching non-aggression and preaching self-ownership to also be prepared to take care of yourself and your community if and when that time comes. I mean, I definitely think that's a role that freedom cells are going to need to play. Yep, absolutely. 100% agree. That's awesome. Wow, Derek, man, such an honor, such a pleasure. There's so many other things I wanted to get into. We didn't even touch the metaverse or the narrative. You know, we could do a whole hour on that. But, uh, man, so I'll make sure to put links to all of the places to find you. I got time for a question about the metaverse and narrative if you want to ask one. I'll make okay, time well, for that, let's get into it. Okay, sure, okay. So, sure. well, let's see. So, specific question. All right. So, Megan, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? Oh, let's see. Issue. What are my thoughts on the metaverse? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Well, so I I don't know all that much about it. I'm not going to lie. But what I have heard, I think it's just totally diabolical. And I think we need to completely withdraw from all of these platforms. But I know that's easier said than done. Yes. So but we're, 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 we're going to be the ones that live very different lives outside the city. But <laughs> in other <laughs> yes, words, I mean, Derek. Yeah, the whole, I don't know. It just, seems, it, it just seems like a blatant way of pulling everyone further away from each other and trying to delude us into thinking that we're having connectivity and fellowship with one another mm -hmm. in this. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I think, I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if, if the people that are like pushing us towards it aren't all, aren't so diabolic yeah. themselves, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. Because the idea, I mean, you know, I mean, I'll be the first one to say when, when the VR came out, I got a headset sure. and, and I played it and I was like, that's kind of neat. And then I started seeing where it was going and I'm like, Oh no. no. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're doing here. Yeah. So. Have you guys seen the matrix? Have you guys seen yeah. this? It's a classic yeah. movie. It's a great movie, but, uh, Derek, so, so the, 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 the new article that you guys, that, that you wrote, um, that's up on the last American vagabond, two part article. Uh, first one about the great narrative, second one about the metaverse. Like, so these are two emerging technologies, philosophies. Like where do you see, I guess, if I were to sum it up in one question, like, and I encourage everyone to go read those articles. Yeah. It's on the last yeah. American vagabond. There's a link. To, uh, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes, but where do you see the confluence? Like the, the, where the merging of the metaverse and the great reset, I guess, overall. Yeah, these are, I mean, these are really fascinating and disturbing topics, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of in the same way. I've never, I've never owned the virtual reality headset, but I, I did a, a, my video summary of my article the other day and I was kind of mentioning, like, I remember being a little kid and like the early nineties and going to the arcades and like, you know, the first attempts at virtual reality, right? Like super clunky, just whatever. But it was to me like exciting that, like, wow, I could be in the video game. Like this sounds awesome, right? As you said, man, like if it was different people, maybe we could have some of these toys and it could be a fun thing, right? But it's just like, yeah, I don't think that's the cards we're dealt at the moment. Mm -hmm. They're going to use it for some really scary and crazy things. But the, yeah, I'm going to assume most of the audience is familiar with the Great Reset term that mm -hmm. was, you know, launched by the World Economic Forum in June 2020. And as I said earlier, they had their first official conference announcing it in June, uh, January of this year, 2021. So, in November, they announced that they were hosting an event in Dubai, uh, United Arab Emirates, called the Great Narrative, and this was mm -hmm. the next phase of their Great Reset thing. And so, I decided, like, all right, I got to sit down and watch these crazy people talk for a few hours to figure out what the heck they're going on about. 
And sure enough, yeah, there was there was something there to at least, you know, try to spread awareness about. And it's essentially, you know, for one, when you think about what narrative, what a narrative is like, right, in, in terms of literature, narrative is, you know, it's the storyline you're following in a book or, you know, what you're doing. And for our own personal lives, it could be the narrative of your life, like whatever that means, like the sort of image that you put out there, right, or the, the way you see yourself experiencing the world around you, right? And it also has philosophical meanings um, about how you give the people meaning, how you you give meaning to the people's lives, the type of narratives that you you essentially propagandize them with, right? And this could be a narrative that says, "Hey, these people are taking care of our health, and there's a horrible pandemic going on." And you know, there's all kinds of narratives that are constantly being fed to us. There's a a pro-war narrative. There's an you know, there's all these different narratives that are constantly around us that the average person who isn't thinking in terms of the the influences around them is easily susceptible to these different narratives. Because again, if you're not conscious, if you're not thinking for your own self, then you're going to be swept up in somebody else's mm-hmm. uh, narrative and somebody else's propaganda. So it, you can see the, the clear importance of narrative and the fact that these people behind the Great Reset are now saying, well, we need to develop better trust. We need to create the great narrative so that we can engineer we first we need to imagine then engineer and then manifest the next you know vision of society and they're meeting the great narrative in dubai was really focused a lot on the next 50 years and the next 10 to 50 years as we know their agenda 2030 we're going into 2022 right now this is their decade of transformation as they call it so it's all about them just recognizing i think to me it was sort of almost a partial admission that the covid narrative isn't being fully bought by a lot of people. I mean, as we mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of people protesting, you know, protesting is one form of pushing back, but also things like the fact that freedom cells are growing, I think is a sign of this, that people are looking for sol- solutions. So the fact that they have to host a meeting called the great narrative and and discuss, you know, that they're losing the narrative and that we, how are we going to convince more people? How are we going to rebuild trust? To me, it's almost a positive. It's a sign that they are aware that not everybody's buying the the storyline, you know, as, as much as it might seem that way, as much as the corporate media like, might like us to believe that we're the crazy ones and, you know, it's just everybody's buying into this but us. I think the fact that they have to host events like this and talk about trust and rebuilding trust and narrative does show that their plans might not be going uh, as quickly or smoothly as they, they would have hoped. And I think that's a, a good thing. So they're they're hosting this meeting. And most of it is pushing, besides talking about narrative, it's pushing the same stuff they've talked about for years, the fourth industrial revolution, which is just the the, the digital panopticon. It's the surveillance grid. It's smart cities. It's, you know, driverless cars. It's the inclusive, diverse, sustainable world that you've always wanted. As you said, you'll own nothing and be happy, right? It's all those yeah. things. Like, that's the vision that they're creating. And how that ties into the metaverse, I think, is really interesting because I've focused a lot over the last few years on through my work with 5G on smart cities and the dangers of smart cities and you know the smart grid and all that stuff and how that ties into tech uh, the technocracy and that is still a part of their plan and part of their agenda but that itself deals with a physical world that you exist in right that's like mm-hmm. still you're going to a physical city and there's you know going to be fancy technology but you're still physically there Whereas the metaverse is this alternative virtual and augmented reality that we will be projected into. So this could be, like you said, the goo, the headsets or the glasses, eventually a Neuralink, some kind of chip mm-hmm. that 
projects you into an alternative world where you can, you know, look like whatever, be whoever, right? That's part of it. But I also think that when it comes to the smart cities and the physical infrastructure, they do imagine us having like contact lenses in or the glasses and where, you know, because the difference between augmented and virtual for those who might not be familiar, virtual is like a full encompassing world that you're in. And this is like some, you know, you could be sitting in your living room with goggles on and you think you're in Maui or whatever, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. But augmented reality is maybe you got the contact lens or the glasses on and you're walking through a smart city and the facial recognition cameras scan you. And as soon as they scan your face, they pull up your social media profile, your Google search history, et cetera. And then on your heads up display pops up an ad telling you, hey, did you know that the your favorite you know market down the street is having a sale based on your recent search history, right? It's this fully integrated everything. And kind of like minority report, you're going to be like playing with the, the air in front of you kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. they do seem to imagine some mix of augmented and virtual reality, right? And again, like convenience could be really helpful, could be easy. You know, there's a lot of like p- potential pluses for some of this technology. There's a lot of really scary, worrisome things as well. What I'm most concerned about as it relates to the metaverse is the youngest generations because yeah. I mean, kids are already being given like the cell phone pretty much at birth in some cases, and they're already getting used to dealing with screens. I'm sure you guys have come across it, like three or four year old kids who already know how to unlock phones and pull up apps and do things like that. You know, they're already like plugged in. Not only that, their minds and their eyes are being trained to stare at these screens and and kind of live in this alternative reality. And some kids do it already with video games. I mean, I used to love video games too, but this is like a whole new like frontier Mm -hmm. of that realm right and you can imagine where with enough programming and conditioning the youngest generations coming in would prefer to be in the metaverse as opposed to the real world right and especially if you throw in a little bit of dash of climate change propaganda that hey guys it's better for the planet if you're in the metaverse you know there's no viruses in the metaverse there's no covid (laughs) there's no masks in the metaverse you know that's it yeah, That's so it. I definitely think that that could be one of the ways that they're going to try to coerce and promote people to be involved in that. And ultimately, I mean, again, if if this is some other reality, maybe this could be, you know, freedom of choice. Ultimately, the, if we believe in freedom, we have to accept that there are going to be people who choose to augment their body. There are going to be people who try to merge with machines. There are going to be people mm-hmm. who put implants on them. They're already doing this, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah. Ultimately, if you have bodily autonomy then you should have the freedom to augment your body if you want, right? But Mm -hmm. I think that it's about having these conversations and trying to get people to think about what we're walking into, right? Because a lot of us maybe blindly embrace social media and the internet itself and have seen some of the dangerous implications of that. And now we're trying to pull back a little bit and get some of our privacy back and things like that. You know, imagine that for the people who are just going to rush right into the metaverse and rush right into that. And, you know, years down the line, they found out, oh, by the way, it's causing, you know, brain problems or it's causing, or who knows, right? Or, yeah. or what happens if you're in the metaverse and you get hacked? Like there's so many different concerns around that. And I do think it is going to be marketed to the younger generation that they're going to make it about video games. They're going to make it super convenient and easy and fun and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, we're probably going to be the old people like, damn it, get out of the metaverse. You know, it's, yeah. I can just yeah. see it happening already. But <laughs> totally. I don't know, man. I mean, I think it, I, we're in some ways, too. I think that they're they're stumbling this is the last thing I'll say. And I think they're stumbling to some degree because when I was doing my research by pretty much all accounts, like even in the mainstream, you know, mainstream corporate media, they admit that like people haven't bought in yet. 
Like they, yeah. they've, the Oculus Rift's been around. Like, you know, Google Glass was a total failure. Google promoted it as like it was going to be like mm-hmm. the biggest next big thing and nobody uses it. It's not, you know, you can't find Google Glass anywhere. Yeah. These things haven't caught on yet. Doesn't mean they can't or won't in the future. But as of yet, they haven't really caught on to the degree. People don't want to wear this giant clunky headset, right? I think, of mm-hmm. course, things are going to have to evolve a little bit quicker for them to fully push it on the masses. And that kind of presents a window to have these conversations and to get people thinking because I've even seen in the mainstream, like them being critical, like, Hey, the Zuckerbergs and the Bezos are trying to create some, you know, digital prison for us. And, you know, they're, and it's like, wow, this is in the mainstream. They're even kind of being critical of it. So I don't know that all hope is totally lost that everybody's just going to rush right into the metaverse. I think people are skeptical because of the players, but that doesn't mean that these folks, the great reset and the great narrative folks are not, pushing in that direction they absolutely are and then the other thing is i i also think it's a it's a uh, it's a mistake to think about the metaverse in terms of a single place or destination because mm-hmm. you know maybe at the beginning of the internet right people talk oh the world wide web you know we don't really say or think of it in that terms anymore right it now it's just like there's all kinds of pockets and corners of the internet it's not like one single place and in the same way there might be a facebook you know, metaverse and then there might be a Google metaverse, but it seems like more than likely these are going to be kind of intersecting and overlapping different worlds. And some might have value. You know, one, one question I'll pose to you guys is I think we're going to see content creators going into the metaverse. And yeah. I've, I don't know that I'll be the first person to rush into there, but I've thought about this like, well, in the same way, some people are like, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not going to use social media or I'm not going to use Facebook. Well, what would have happened if we just said, well, DARPA helped create the internet. I'm not going to use that tool to reach yeah. people. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like if we are we just going to abandon the metaverse and let them take it over? Like, I don't know. I'm not saying That's... that it's necessary. But if you think about it, what if you were hosting a digital version of your show in the metaverse mm-hmm. and there's 100 new audience members there that you didn't have before? Yeah. Would you pass that up or would you still, you know what I mean? I think it's going to bring up some interesting questions for us too, like how we interact with it. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. In fact, I was going to ask you. Uh, so, so shout out to Mark, our friend Mark, up in uh, up near Portland. Like he helped us put on a little Freedom Festival this last year. We call it Manifest, right? Manifest. And so we're going to be doing it again, twenty twenty two. Manifest twenty twenty two. We want to see everybody out there. But he's super into crypto, super into this stuff, and he's he's one of us, hundred percent. But uh, he was hitting me up saying like, "Hey, bro, I got like." the drop on some of these, uh, like Decentraland, like properties, like we need to start investing in some of these properties. It's going to be a lot of money. And I'm still just like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but actually, you know, I feel like there's a lot of economic opportunity, you know, and, and yes, for us, you know, as a, as a show or as people like maybe trying to diversify and grow and, and, and is there some legitimacy in having like one finger maybe in it just a little bit to try and like get, get extract some resources, some digital resources. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'll just give, give a <laughs> off the cuff answer here, okay. but I mean, I just, I mean, I think like you were alluding to, like, like this tech, they are really trying to force this. It has not happened yet. And, and I'm not saying you couldn't maybe be the person who makes, makes some bucks by getting in at the starting, but at the same time, the, the people that are pushing this and, and doing this, I don't want to have any part of it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if it, once maybe this thing maybe is a thing and we can align with people that are like us, I, I don't know. Or we build our own damn metaverse. Damn it. That's yeah, it. But that's, that's, it. that's again, I, again, it's kind of goes against those principles that we were talking about that we stand for. Right. Yeah, so, maybe, maybe. and, and yeah. I, I think the, the longer I, I go along this journey, the less I want to go into a digital world. 
I want to go in the opposite sure. direction of a digital world. You know what we need to do? Yeah. Okay, so I we interviewed Tommy Chung a few like I don't know what <laughs> a year ago maybe Tommy Chung right? It was crazy. And I'm like Tommy, you you brush shoulders with some of the most powerful people in the world, some of the most famous people in the world. Like how can, can you like get next to like Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates and just put like. Like, like, I don't know, like a vial of acid in their coffee or something like that. Can you just do that? And then they'll wake up and they'll be like, oh my God, what am I doing? And then, and then they'll come around and then the metaverse will be a perfectly beautiful place. But until that day, I don't know. I I still think that there's uh, something to be said though, that just putting electronics on your head is probably not good for you. Okay. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like the EMF aspect of it, right? The health side of things that they're not even bringing up, and like, hey, what is how what is the future going to be of people who are living in a smart city, smart world with ten thousand sensors surrounding them that are all putting off EMFs and you know their own their own signal? That's one implication of it. And I think, like you said, man, I mean, I I feel like in some way it might be like we're ceding a battleground if we choose not to participate, but also at the same time. I do think that there is a separation between technology and spirituality, right? In some ways, there are people who are, let's say, kind of in their spiritual journey, they try to be as far away from technology as possible, right? Like one example, in a lot of native traditions, whenever we're doing our ceremonies, cell phones and electronic devices are supposed to be kept far away. They're like traditionally, natives believe that that interferes with spirit's ability to communicate and connect with people that that causes interference so if you think about it in those terms the further we go towards that digital world maybe we're losing some spiritual connection you know by doing that so that's one consideration and then also i think you're right though i mean what if you're like your buddy's invested in some real estate in the metaverse or second world or whatever is and he's like hey i just sold this property in the freaking digital world for a million dollars and now i'm gonna go buy real land with it yeah real exactly right i mean because again, there's we already see this somewhat with people who are like very much anti-blockchain or anti-crypto. Um, I mean, there's clear, and I've written about this. There's clear problems in that space. There's you know co-opting and all this stuff. And at the same time, I've been using crypto to get paid in my journalism since 2012, and I've you know done all that without having to use banks. I'm cashing out my crypto now to get cash to get land. Like I don't see how that can be a bad thing, right? It's going to lead to a lot yeah. of positive developments. So. I understand that idea, like you said, having like one little finger in their their world, right? And I do, I have seen people in the crypto space who are more like minded, like minded, like we are, who are thinking in terms of decentralization, who are talking about creating the uh, what do they call it, the decentralized cryptoverse, or you know, different mm-hmm. kind of names. Again, there's probably going to be different variations of it, but saying, hey, well, let's have a digital space that will respect privacy, that will you know do these things, and ultimately, maybe it is another evolution of humanity for those who choose to take part in it and just another space to be just like the internet is another space to be right there's some people who are very disconnected from the internet and you know all the world of podcasts and conversations and internet debates is so far removed from their reality because they're not even connected in maybe they're happier for it maybe they're less stressed out than some of us who are so plugged in but they're also totally disconnected in some ways from some of the bigger things that are going on Oh, my lights are flashing. Um, no. You know, so I think it's it's ultimately going to come down to a choice, right? That individuals will have to make, like how plugged in or unplugged in do you want to be? What are the benefits of being plugged in or even having a finger in there? Are there benefits? And, you know, it it I think it could be a scary thing coming from a place. I'll just add this. You know, we talked a little bit about my experience with addiction. I think mm-hmm. this is probably going to be addictive too. I oh, think yeah. it will definitely be a sort of thing that once you get sucked into it, 
maybe the real world doesn't feel so interesting anymore, right? That's a whole nother implication of just like what we're going to be setting our brain up for by being, you know, just this totally new experience that humanity's never had before, right? Like it could become something that people in a way become addicted to and they no longer care about their physical reality, their little sack of flesh here. They'd rather be in the digital (laughs) Mm -hmm. sphere, you know? Yeah. Crazy. And yeah, man. And, and, you know, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned that too. Like I, we didn't, I didn't mention it earlier, but you know, like I'm in recovery too. And like my story is very similar to yours. You know, I, I was on that st- same stuff and ended up going to prison and that was a big part of my awakening too. It's just crazy, man. And so I, uh, I just can't thank you enough for, for your, I mean, oh man, yeah. All the work that you're doing, is just such an inspiration. And, and you know, I've, I've learned so much from you. I just can't express enough gratitude. You know, we're just going to try and carry the message and just keep, keep, keep pushing it forward, man. Like it's so powerful. So, um, but yeah, I want to put all the show like in the notes, like all the places, cause there's so many and <laughs> to, to find your work, but what would be the best way for our audience to support you and your efforts? Um, honestly, I think that the, what means most to me in terms of support at this moment is just sharing the work. You know, okay. I've, uh, I've got some, some, some videos and, um, some social media posts in mind that I've been wanting to make to just kind of remind people that social media, the positive benefit of it is sharing. I feel like there's not so much sharing going on as there used to be. Maybe, you know, I just kind of miss out on it, but I feel like sometimes people consume content, but they forget the part of like, Hey, if this, if you find value in this, you know, this book, this article, this documentary, this conversation, whatever, send it to somebody, you know, and don't just post it into the black hole that is social media, send it in a text message. Hey friend, like, I thought you might enjoy this conversation. I think I thought you might enjoy this video I found. You know that goes a lot further than just posting to random people on Facebook or wherever else, right? Like send an email, send a, a personal text message. Like if anything I say or do feels uh, you know necessary or vital to somebody, then I just want to encourage you to share it with other people, especially people who you think could benefit or haven't come across this information because. I've been doing this for a while and my work is still growing. Thankfully, I feel blessed for that, but it's it's growing in spite of increasing censorship. And so mm-hmm. the way around that is for people to send direct videos, to send direct links to people, right? Not just to rely on or, or assume that people are gonna see it because it's on social media. Because as we know, people are not going to see it. There's a lot of fact checkers. There's this whole ecosystem to keep keeping people in the dark. So personally for me, the biggest thing anybody can do is if they find value in my work, share it. Share it with people that you think will be open-minded to it, and that goes a long way. Um, I'm blessed at this point to my work is now taking care of me financially, so I'm in a position where I'm okay. Like What matters more to me is that the work gets out there. So if people are interested in the Pyramid of Power, the pyramidofpower.net, transcripts, all the links, everything is available there. Share it out. Uh, Becca also, I think she uploaded a, a YouTube version that has the Spanish subtitles too. So Amazing. we've got that. Um, freedomcells.org, of course, if people want to try to connect and find more people. And we're constantly working on on improvements to make it more functional and smoother process for everybody as we grow so we can continue to scale and hit 100,000 people around the world. And I think that's when we're really going to see some big impacts. And then my main website is always theconsciousresistance.com for my podcast, my interviews, and all my news reports and everything else. Awesome, man. Wow. Well, keep yeah. keep it up. Um, and I'm just super grateful that you came and spent this time with us. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to connect again here soon. And and when we uh, are seeking political asylum in Mexico, maybe we'll hit you up. <laughs> yeah, <right>? definitely. <laughs> One of these days. So. Do it. Come, come visit, guys, whenever you can. And, uh, and if not, 
Yeah, thank you, Megan. Good to meet you. And and if not, if I don't see you guys down here in Mexico, then we'll be coming around the U.S. again. Uh, cool. I don't know if I mentioned, but we definitely are planning to do another activation tour probably uh, the spring and summer of next year. Beautiful. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks All right. So well, thank much, you so Jared. much, Derek. Thank you, guys. Have a good evening. Have a good night. Boom. All right. Oh. Well, hi, what's up, Megan? Woo! I had to lay down a lot. A lot of the time, my back was not feeling good tonight. But I was. That's all right. I was right here, and I had my I had my clicker on the mute in case I wanted to jump in at any point. But no, it's all good. It's all good. So I'm glad to see you upright and doing better. I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get the microphone working, but oh well, we'll figure it out. This one, it's, yeah, yeah. So, so, so we got Megan this. Yeah, Megan's got this awesome microphone, but we couldn't figure it out from here. So anyway, whatever. Yeah, it looks really and yes, cool. it was. And yes, it was plugged in earlier. If you guys are, <laughs> yeah, if you guys are like, <laughs> yeah. just okay. Just to be fair, though, it wasn't plugged in at first. But yes, okay. Well, yes, but but then we figured out that that was the problem, and and we we thought we yeah, had so it, but sitting but, behind me, and he's yeah. like, "Is that plugged in, ma'am?" <laughs> yeah. So, so then Derek showed up, and like, well, shoot, we're just gonna have to roll with with uh, the. the laptop audio but that's all right that's all right yeah so uh megan just keep healing keep healing maybe we'll get you in the studio next week huh hopefully so hopefully so we'll see how it goes i'm better every day though and and at the end of the day i know that i will at some point in the near future be well enough to do all the things and that super excites me yes yes so so don't don't get love it don't push too hard community building when i'm you know fully myself again so just no shoveling no shoveling absolutely not awesome you guys have any final thoughts do I, I don't know i'm just he's such an inspiration man like yeah. um i i i want to do the other book that he was talking about yep. you know, i want to yep. go it's through that website. i want to i want to um i mean i think we've all spoken about how uh you know over this last 18 months or almost two years now you know we've gotten more in line with our principles but i think that that exercise of actually doing it would be so it's, it's very recovery focused yeah too. Totally. It, it feels like it's like uh step work but it's it's yeah that's that's uh, what i was exactly yeah. thinking when he was describing it. i'm like wow that sounds like step work. it there sounds <laughs> but, but it, it, another spin on it right because yeah, totally. i don't know about you like when see, you do the steps differently each time yep, right? exactly they, you do them different so yep. i want to try to 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 look at myself from another angle and evaluate, you know, I mean, there's things when I just bring that up that are just blatantly obvious. Like you were talking about like your job, like obviously, yeah. obviously my job is yeah. like, I'm doing this obvious, not right? consensual. This is not yeah, consensual. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's, but it, some of those things feel so big, you know, and, yeah. but it's, it's, um, I think, I definitely, going on that journey and starting it is the yeah. only way you're going to get there. Maybe right? I'll let you borrow this book. Like this is yeah, I would love reading, to. Dude. I was thinking. Like, I was thinking when you're done with crazy, that, I'd love dude. to read it. What, what were you just saying, Megan? Um, I just I thought it was that he was um, his. Whole, I haven't met him in person. You have, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Both of you have, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but so this was really my first actual, you know, getting to just kind of hear him talk at length like directly yeah. to us like that and i was just saying that he seems like he's got such a mellow temperament such an even keel to his nature that i'll bet he's able to make really good connections with people wherever he goes because he doesn't have that confrontational energy about him he's you know doing all of these wonderful things and and we're all, we're all some of us are meant to be you know fiery little warriors but like yeah. i really appreciate that kind of calmer temperament whereas someone's explaining something to you you can really feel comfortable to take from it what you want without you know any weird i don't know energies i would say yeah, Anyways, well, yeah. 
I could absolutely attest to that because it was really crazy. So we went up, we went up on like a Friday night and he was doing this presentation at this little art studio. Um, you know, it was really, really cool. Him and his gal Miriam that she, she led like a meditation and he did, and he does, he's a rapper too. And you go to yeah, SoundCloud. I, I wanted to make that yeah, yeah, point too. Yeah, like, so, like he's, he has that so super mellow temperament, but yeah. then when you hear him rap, like yeah, he, just, he got into it. Yeah. He yeah. It was like, and it was, really? it was really yeah. good. So it his, really his rap good. name is 33. So go look up 33 on SoundCloud. He's got his songs on is there. He so. to this next summer uh, we'll have to invite him we'll have to invite we'll, him we'll certainly throw the invite <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously. so so that was the friday night and then i ended up staying the night uh up at mark so we talked about mark in the episode he let, let me camp out on the property went down went back to portland the next day and we all like did this anti-mandate march right and mm-hmm. so we all met at this park i can't remember the name of the park but it was in portland right and so we're, we were all like just like i had a little i had a bag like a little like a reusable shopping bag with my uh with my bullhorn and my gloves and a hammer in case Antifa showed up. I mean, I don't know, just in case, just in case I had my Antifa hammer with me, right? You <laughs> what know what you I mean? mean is you were going to help the government if any nails were loose in the building. Oh, that's what I meant. That's oh, what I meant. good, yeah. That's what, exactly what I meant. But but anyway, I was prepared, you know, I was prepared. I, I, so the non-aggression principle tells me that I can defend myself, and so I was prepared to defend myself, right? So there you go. Anyway, it's like so anticipating that there was – I didn't know if Antifa was going to show up. I, didn't, I was – you know, yeah. I'm, I, I've infiltrated Antifa. I'm in their Telegram chat so I can see them talking, and there was discussion about showing up to this park but nobody really did okay so but there were a few that did show up like you'd see them a mile away they walk up with their they got their masks on and they're looking kind of like they got like green hair you know what i mean like you can see them a mile away maybe not the green hair but not these particular individuals but they got their but they got their masks on they got their masks on and one, one of them like came up and like kicked somebody's sign that was like leaning against a tree but Derek, literally he just walked right up to him and just engaged him in conversation and just like just just completely diffused the situation there was multiple times like the, like several times throughout the day whenever there was someone that was coming up to like start problems or start yelling or talking shit Derek would walk right up to him and just start having a civil conversation with him it was crazy wow. it was crazy wow. it was amazing yeah it blew me away if you guys want if you go to uh, he's actually got some of that footage posted up on his Odyssey page if you go to the Conscious Resistance Odyssey page and scroll back a little bit um, to the Portland one um, he actually yeah he filmed some of the interactions September yeah it's probably like September-ish, something like that. But yeah, you could film some of the interactions that he had with some of these people. And it's great, dude. And like, it was super like, and it was cool to see after the fact, because I know I saw he had his camera with him. And so I could tell he was like recording the conversation, but we were all kind of like a ways back and we were like, damn, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what he's saying to him right now. And then he, he posts the video. So it's cool. But just that attitude of just like, <clears throat> you know, being able to like, of course the media wants us to <clears throat> view interactions like that as like antifa shows up so we're gonna start pepper spraying each other and beating each other right. and, but but no 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 like we can just walk up and have a conversation even though we walk away no one's minds changed nobody yeah. uh thought anything differently like we still probably have a lot of anger See, and, and i would think that, that derek is the kind of guy that might be able to change somebody's maybe, mind though maybe absolutely because like, because like, you know i mean the if your principles are antifa yeah, we should really be against the same people. Yeah, we're right. Fighting. We should be. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think he's got the kind of temperament as you spoke yeah. that could like point out the inconsistencies in maybe how how they look at things mm-hmm. to 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 call out that like look at these are the bad guys up here. Yeah, we're not right. against each other. It's yep. them. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. So right. Exactly. It, it was a really cool thing to witness. So. Man, there you go. That's awesome. I'm super grateful. Um, hopefully all you guys can go support and share his work because he's got a lot going mm-hmm. on. Like, like, dude, yeah. the pyramid of power is so on point. Like, power. it's really great. Like, like, I, I could tell from even like 
the first four episodes, like the second four episodes, like the editing skills, like Becca's just killing it, dude. Yeah. Like it's awesome. Excellent. So shout out to Becca, um, doing great work, you guys. And, and just, um, yeah, if you, if you, if you've not checked out freedom cells in your community, you go to freedomcells.org, And if there isn't one, you should probably start one. Cause yeah. there's a lot of people out there that are, that are maybe struggling that could really use your leadership right now. And if you don't view, view yourself as a leader, and if you're in our area, it. let's yeah. get one of those watch party going. For, yeah, for, totally. Uh, the, the great, yeah, totally. The I was thinking that would be, wouldn't it be so great to be able to, I mean, I know that's not really feasible, but to like run out like one movie theater and just have like a whole bunch of people be able to come and. We could build our own, dude. Build well, I, and I was thinking more in, in terms of like, I uh, remember when we watched the movie at the gym. Oh, like, there you go. We should, oh, do, yeah. that. Let's we do, should that. Just do that. Let's, let's hit up Chris and see if we that. could do the movie. We could totally do that. Yeah. Well, they we can talk to Doron about yeah, it. Exactly. Doron, yeah, exactly. Because I think yeah. he can kind of set stuff up with that yeah. for now. So yeah, cool. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Wow. Awesome. Very cool. Good to go. Wrapping up. Let's do it. All right, everybody. So that was Derek Bros. Yep. Please go and find and support his work, Pyramid of Power. Definitely go tune in and catch up if you are not already. I am Megan sitting here. Well, technically, kind of across town, in the next town, from yeah. Scott and Ed, and back with them in person very soon. We wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Beep, 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 beep.